All right, so here we are. We're, I'll just go ahead and start. Um, we're looking at John 6, 48 through 58, and this isn't in a series or anything. It's not part of Revelation. We're just doing our, our single sermon thing. So John 6, if you want to look at it, 48 through 58. John chapter 6, 48 through 58. And I'll read it through. Uh, before I read it, though, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we want to hear from you tonight. This is, this is what we're here for. You have the words of eternal life. You have life in you. And without you, we come up short. We don't have enough life in us without you. So we pray that you will impart your life to us through your word right now. Holy Spirit, guide me as I talk. Guide all of us as we listen to what you have to say. Apply it to our lives, to our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, John 6, 48 through 58. This is Jesus talking. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks on my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread your fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So there's a whole lot to this scripture. And by the way, the first Christians were accused of being cannibals, partly because of this passage of Scripture. I mean, it sounds like cannibalism, doesn't it? you got to eat me. And, and the Greek there is very literal about, you know, like gnaw on me. And, and so it's, it's an interesting Scripture. There's a whole lot to it, and, and I could probably preach on it for a very long time. But um, instead, I'm just going to sort of focus on the main point and then kind of go for some practical applications. So this conversation happened right after the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus was, you know, together with all these people, he was preaching to them. They were in a lonely place. They didn't have any place to get food. And uh, he fed them miraculously. And they all realized that he was feeding them miraculously. And so he, uh, they followed him around and they were sort of asking him, hey, feed us again. Give us more bread. We like that. that. That's pretty cool. Free bread, free miraculous bread. We want some more of that. And he's basically turning around and saying, look, you want food for your stomach. You, you, after you digest that food, it's gone. You're done with it. Your ancestors, during the time of Moses, you know, they, went, they wandered in the wilderness and they got the manna, right? They ate the manna. The manna was miraculous bread. It was free. It came from heaven. And he said, your fathers ate that and they died. It fed them for a day and then that was it. They, there, was, there was no more. Eventually they died because food is just food. But now, says Jesus, I'm offering you a different kind of food, not something physical, 
but something spiritual. And if you eat this spiritual food, you won't die. It will sustain you eternally. And the spiritual food, says Jesus, that I'm offering you is me. He says pretty clearly here, I am real spiritual food. I am real spiritual drink. You need to take me into yourself, just like food and drink. And if you do that, my life and the life of my Father will fill you. You will have eternal life. That's the basic message there. There's a whole lot more we could preach on there. But I, I, I want to do two things with it. The first thing is, is to encourage you to believe this. Jesus said it. This is what he said. I'm the real stuff. You can get physically satisfied here on earth and you will get hungry again. No matter what the appetite is, it may be food, it may be something else, but you'll get hungry again. He's saying, eat me, drink me, and you will have life. You'll live forever. I think there's a, that probably showed up as a scratch there. Uh, there's there's a, a default orientation, I think, for most of us that we focus on the physical, right? I mean, the physical needs tend to get the most attention. The squeaky wheel gets the grease, you know. We focus on food, we focus on physical comfort we focus on physical intimacy we focus on other physical things that please us that's our default and unfortunately every person who ever satisfies their physical needs gets hungry again as jesus said these the ancestors the people of israel got miraculous bread every day and they needed more every day just getting fed physically wasn't enough so the first role of this passage the first thing here is look to jesus for your true and deepest satisfaction he is real spiritual nourishment nourish yourself feast yourself on jesus and he will sustain you forever we need to believe this we need to put these words we need to believe them so much that we put them in action some of us maybe have trouble Trusting this, it's hard to believe. It's easier to eat real physical food than it is to sort of eat Jesus. How do we even do that? I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But the first thing to do is to believe it, to believe it's true, to believe we need Jesus, and to believe he has the eternal, eternally satisfying nourishment for us. So the good news is this. If you have trouble believing it, it's okay. Uh, I came across a really cool analogy recently. Imagine there are, uh, there are two men falling off a cliff. We don't have to go into the whys or whatever. And there are two trees sticking out of the side of the cliff. And the first man falls off first, and, uh, and he, he grabs on to tree number one, and he has all the faith in the world that tree number one is going to hold him, and he's going to be saved. This is it. I've got this. This tree's going to save me. I'm going to be fine. He has all the belief in the world. He's certain of it. But tree number one has weak roots and it can't hold him and it pulls out of the side of the cliff and and he falls to his death. For all the strong faith he had, if he has faith in the wrong thing, it doesn't help him. Guy number two falls off the cliff. He sees tree number two. He doubts that he's going to be saved. But what what, what other option has he got? So he grabs for tree number two. He doesn't really think it's going to work. He doesn't really think it's going to help him. But it helps him because tree number two is strong. Tree number two has solid roots that go back deep into the cliff, and so he is saved even though his faith is weak. And I think that's really important for us when we talk about Jesus. It's not about the strength of your faith. It's about do you have enough to grab on? That's all it is. 
it's Jesus' strength that saves us, not the strength of our faith. And if we have all the faith in the world and the wrong thing, it won't help us. If we have just enough faith to grab onto Jesus, that's all we need. And so when I say we should believe this, that Jesus is real spiritual food and drink, he really can satisfy us. It's okay if you think, well, I don't know, I, maybe, I guess I can try it. I guess I can. If you have enough faith to just grab on, have enough faith just to open your heart and reach for Jesus, I think, I think he's enough. I think he's strong enough. It's not about how strong your faith is. And so reach out for the all-sufficiency of Jesus. Trust just enough in him that he is real spiritual food and drink and that he can sustain you, he can satisfy you. And sometimes, maybe practically, that means saying a prayer instead of reaching for, you know, say in my case, a bowl of cereal. But, uh, you know, whatever it is that you want to reach for to satisfy yourself other than Jesus, maybe the first part is just, I don't think saying a prayer is going to satisfy me more than a bowl of apple jacks but hey i'll try it so let me talk a little bit more about practically how do we feast on jesus how do we find that soul satisfaction that he offers what exactly do we do i think it varies a little bit from person to person but there's kind of a there's there are a big three there are three that all christians they apply to all christians we should all agree on these things we should all try to satisfy our faith and or our, our our hunger in Jesus by doing at least these three things. The first one is reading the Bible. I started reading the Bible, some of you know this, when I was about 12 years old. And I am so thankful that I didn't know that all good Christians are supposed to read the Bible first thing in the morning. Because I never would have done it. Never would have happened. I read the Bible at night, every night, for years and years and years before I found out I wasn't spiritual. But I I think it's really, there's a real lesson there and that is don't it it may look differently from person to person but I read the Bible at night and I found it to be spiritually satisfying Uh, and and honestly I think I I think it's fair to say that most of who I am today is is because of all that those years and years and years of Bible reading that that's what I've centered my life around that's where I've tried to feast my soul I'm not saying I'm perfect about it but I'm I'm saying I think it's been a tremendous help. And I think the reason it's so important to read the Bible is because the Bible gives us Jesus. You want to feast on Jesus, the Bible gives us Jesus. The Bible serves him up for us. That's that's where we get Jesus. The scripture reveals us to him. Now, uh, recently I spoke with someone who said that they had tried reading the Bible and it was it was tough for them and they didn't get much out of it, and it was, it was hard, and I'm sympathetic to that. I think that can be, that can be a little tough. Um, I recognize, you know, it's not always the easiest thing in the world to understand. Again, I always recommend starting in the New Testament, you know, either starting a gospel or starting one of the letters like Corinthians or Ephesians or something like that. It's good to have a good background commentary with, you know, some book introductions. But I think there's more to it than that. I didn't really start reading the Bible in earnest. I read a, I read a little book called The Cross and the Switchblade. Some of you may have heard about that. Yep. Uh, by David Wilkerson. And in it, he talks about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so when I was 12 years old, I prayed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And nothing at all happened to me like what was described in the book, The Cross and the Switchblade. No- nothing amazing. I never felt anything. I prayed for months for something to happen and nothing happened. But what I didn't notice is that I started reading the Bible every day at that time. 
and years later I look back on it and I realize the reason I started reading the Bible every day is because the Lord gave me the Holy Spirit. He, he filled me with the Holy Spirit in, in no other visible way other than that I really wanted to read the Bible every night. And so I would strongly encourage you, if you have a hard time reading the Bible or if it's not doing that much for you, ask the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that sounds scary. sounds like a Pentecostal thing. You know, you're gonna, we're going to start rolling around in the aisles and shouting and hooting and hollering. That did not happen to me. But what did happen is I had a hunger and a thirst for the Bible, and I was satisfied as I read the Scripture. And so I would encourage you too. If you have trouble reading the Bible, ask for more of the Holy Spirit. Simple as that. And I, I trust he'll answer that. Uh, another thing, too, about reading the Bible every day, and I would encourage you just, you know, try and read a chapter a day. If, if you read a couple verses and you go, wow, that really means a lot to me, stop there then, that's fine. But, you know, if you're not, if you don't feel like you're getting anything out of it, just read a chapter a day. And, and that leads me to the second point about reading the Bible. Imagine there's someone who wants to get in shape. Uh, I know you guys do CrossFit. You know, how did it feel after your fourth time doing CrossFit? I mean, it probably probably wasn't great. Sorry, I'm recording this. I, I forgot about that. <clears throat> We're in sort of a different session here for those of you listening to the recording, and I'm, I'm trying to adapt to it. Anyway, so if you exercise and, and, you know, say someone wants to get in shape and say, okay, I tried it. I exercised four days in a row. I, I haven't lost a single ounce I don't feel any better. Nothing's better. I tried it. It doesn't work. That's silly. Of course we know it's silly. If you want benefit from exercise, you have to have time and consistency. Another one is diet, right? I tried dieting yesterday. It didn't work for me. I didn't lose a pound. I don't feel any different. I don't feel better. In fact, sometime, one time I tried it for a whole week. You can't do it that way. You have to have time and consistency. It needs to be a habit. And then, ultimately, you get some benefit out of it. And I think scripture reading is the same way. You can't just sort of say, well, you know, I tried it a couple times. It doesn't work. If you want to be soul satisfied in Jesus, you need time and consistency. I would say read the Bible every day for six months and then come back and tell me it doesn't work. And I don't think you will. I don't think you're going to come back and tell me it doesn't work. Uh, I, I don't think you can say you've genuinely tried nourishing your soul on Jesus through the Bible until you've done it for a long time consistently. Now, don't beat yourself up too. If, if, you, know, if you miss a day here and there, that's fine. Uh, you know, don't, don't beat yourself up about it. But it needs to be a long-term habit, I think, before you start to get the benefit from it, certainly the full benefit. So that's the first of the big three. Second of the big three is prayer. Uh, prayer at its heart, I think, is just giving Jesus access. You're just saying, come on in. Come in into what I'm doing. Come in into this moment right now. Uh, I have a constant ongoing conversation with the Lord. We talked about this last Wednesday a little bit, but I have this ongoing just conversation with the Lord. It isn't only about spiritual things. Um, sometimes it's about fishing. Sometimes it's about cooking. And you know what, guys? God appreciates my sense of humor. He really does. He laughs at all my jokes, you know, and you guys... No, he doesn't laugh at all of them, but... <clears throat> but there's a little bit of humor that goes on. We have this ongoing conversation because I'm always inviting him into my thought process. And that's one aspect of prayer. Another aspect of prayer is what we do, you know, like what we're going to do in a little while here where we sit down and we say, let's pray for X, Y, and Z. That's another part of prayer as well. But you can have this ongoing conversation all the time. By the way, I would say I pray best 
when I'm walking by myself and praying out loud. That just works for me somehow. For some of you, it doesn't work for Carrie. She needs to sit down. And uh, so we have a hard time. You know, I need to like pull her in a chair or something while we're praying and then we can pray together really well. But it's, it's, uh, it's different for everybody. But I would say find what works for you. Like with a Bible reading, find the time of day that works best for you. In praying, it's the same way. Find what works best for you. Maybe it's kneeling. Maybe it's walking. Maybe it's lying in bed. I don't know, but find out something that works, and I, I, I think you can find some way that helps for you. Again, same thing with consistency. Uh, you need to continue to do it for some time before you could say, well, no, prayer doesn't work for me. It doesn't help. Third big path to feeding on Jesus is Christian fellowship. We need fellowship with other open and genuine Christians. I recognize that a lot of Christians are jerks, and... Uh, I'm sure some of you guys listening to this know that. Some of you guys here know that. Um, Christians are not always great people. Tim Keller uh, wrote this book called The Reason for God, and he has a, a great thought on that. He says, I will grant that on the whole, church growers, churchgoers may be weaker psychologically and morally than non-churchgoers. That should be no more surprising than the fact that people sitting in a doctor's office are on the whole sicker than those people who are not in the doctor's office. Churches rightly draw a higher proportion of needy people. They also have a greater number of people whose lives have been completely turned around and filled with the joy of Christ. I realize how risky it is to tell my readers that they should seek out a church. I don't do it lightly, and I urge them to do so with the utmost care. But there is no alternative. You can't live the Christian life without a band of Christian friends, without a family of believers in which you find a place. And I'm saying this especially for some of our listeners online. I know some of some of you folks maybe do this mostly and you don't have a band of Christian brothers and sisters. You really need a band of Christian brothers and sisters if you want to be soul satisfied in Jesus. It's really important. And you, you, sometimes you have to work hard. Sometimes you really have to work hard to find those people that you connect with, that you can relate to, those people who aren't pretending to be perfect. But it is worth working hard to do that. There's... as Tim Keller says, there is no alternative to Christian fellowship. We really need it. And again, for me, I need people who have a sense of humor, which is why you all are here. And uh, I need people who are genuine. Again, that's why you guys are here. And I couldn't do life in Jesus without a band of brothers and sisters who follow him as well. I just, it, it wouldn't work for me. So those are the big three. Bible reading, prayer, genuine fellowship with other Christians. I'm going to give you a couple others, though, that are sort of I guess I would say they're optional, but probably some of them may work for some of you. Some of them may not work as well, um, and you guys may have other ones that I don't have. But the following things help me in some various ways. One is solitude. I don't know if you guys know this, but I go away uh, about three times a year by myself to a little cabin and uh, just spend two or three days alone uh, reading, writing, listening to music, hiking, fishing, just hanging out to Jesus, hanging out with Jesus. And you know what? I talked about that ongoing conversation that I have with him. That sort of comes to the forefront when I'm alone with the Lord. Um, I think a lot of people are kind of afraid to be alone. I don't, you know, I don't do Facebook and everything else while I'm off there. I'm, I'm just, you know, mostly I read, but I don't really consume other media. Another thing for me is music. I feel like music opens a, a back door to my heart. It doesn't even have to be specifically Christian music to me, but, but it just 
it somehow gets around stuff inside of me. It gets around the blocks, you know, sort of circles a roadblock and lets me sort of relax and, and, and get close to the Lord. It's, a, it's sort of a quick way for me to get closer to the Lord. Nature is another one, you know. We believe God made the world, and I look at the world. We drove from East Tennessee this morning, and man, he did a great job. And, and, and when I see the creation, I think of the Creator, and it draws me closer to Him. I move to praise God. I move to thank Him. And by the way, for, for prayer, too, I think an important part of the prayer is thanksgiving. Sorry, I didn't say this when I was there, but thanking allows me to receive. It allows me to sort of take hold of what God has done for me. Along with nature is beauty in general. It might be the beauty of nature, it might be beauty of art, beauty of music, could be beauty of a person. But true beauty, I think, awakens a longing or a desire in us. And, do, and I don't mean a, a, an, an evil desire. I don't mean a lustful desire. I mean, even beautiful scenery. I was thinking that when we were driving through East Tennessee the last couple of days. It's like, I want this. I want this. Have you ever felt that? You know what I'm talking about? You, you see something beautiful and somehow you, you want to either be in it or you want to possess it or you want to have it in you or something. And it may be music, it may be some other kind of beauty, but beauty creates this longing inside of us. And I, I think that longing ultimately is a longing to be spiritually satisfied in God. I think that's what it is. And so beauty helps me become aware of that and, and seek that and, and focuses me on finding satisfaction in the Lord. And even, even that longing in, it, in itself is kind of a, a satisfaction in a way. Maybe I'm getting too esoteric here, I don't know. Uh, here's another one. And this is recent for me, but letting God love me through other people. When someone is unexpectedly generous or kind, it's normal to think, well, that's really sweet of that person to do that thing for me, right? I mean, that's a normal reaction, right? I get a tender spot in my heart towards somebody who does me an unexpected favor or just blesses me somehow. I feel tender towards them. But the Lord's been showing me that every good and perfect gift comes ultimately from Him. He's showing me to look beyond even the person who gave it. Of course, I'm thankful to the person who gave it. But to look beyond that person and see that it originates from the Lord. It's the Lord who gives people the ability to be kind, the ability to be gracious and generous towards others. It reminds me of the verse from James, James 1, 16 through 17. Don't be deceived, dearly loved brothers. Every generous act and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. With him there's no variation or shadow cast by turning. And so... Even if somebody doesn't know the Lord, the Lord can bless you through that person. It all originates with Him. And when I try to recognize it, it originates with Him. It helps me to be more satisfied with the Lord. Does that make sense? All right, uh, reading in addition to reading Scripture. I'm a big reader. probably read a book a week, sometimes more. And uh, some of the books are just a little bit like watching TV. You know, there's nothing... Nothing that amazing about them, but that some of them really stir me and move me. The Lord of the Rings, you know, has all these epic themes. That's an amazing book series. There are other book series like that that kind of stir me, that, that sort of awaken me to spiritual things. That helps me a lot to feast myself in Jesus. A lot of uh, Christian books sometimes help me too. Um, I usually am reading some sort of book for my pastoral development, 
some sort of book for my entertainment and some sort of Christian book for my personal growth. And uh, some of those personal growth books that I've read recently, I'll give you, you can find this online too when I'm done, but uh, a couple of them that have really blessed me in the last couple of years, The Pressure is Off by Larry Crabb, The Rest of the Gospel by Dan Stone, The Sacred Romance and the Journey of Desire by John Eldridge, Desiring God by John Piper, and The Reason for God by Timothy Keller. And sometimes too is devotionals. Carrie and I are reading this devotional called Streams in the Desert that has been really rich for us, spiritually speaking. And then uh, journaling is another way that helps me. Writing down my thoughts sort of puts expression, physical expression to that running conversation I have with the Lord, and that helps me feel closer to Him sometimes. But I think all of these ways of feasting on Jesus for me have two critical components. The first is time. It takes time. Just like exercise takes time, and, and, you know, as I was saying, Bible reading takes time, prayer takes time, even fellowshipping with other believers takes time. We have to carve out time for this in our lives. It doesn't work if we don't. If we really believe that Jesus is the source of eternal life, right after this passage that I read, uh, a lot of people left Jesus because he's basically saying, eat me, bite me, you know? <laughs> and a lot of people left him, and, and he, he says to the 12 disciples, you want to leave me too? And Peter says, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. If we really believe that, we need to say no to some things so that we can say yes to the words of eternal life, so we can say yes to Jesus. It, it isn't a happy meal. If, if we believe what Jesus says, we need to say no to some things so we can say yes to Him. So that's the first part. It takes time. The second part is it takes a willingness to receive. This is, this is the dark side of Christianity. We have to be ready to accept charity. That is... Ultimately, we are all charity cases before the Lord. And, and we can put ourselves in a position all we want. We can read our Bibles. We can pray. We can spend time with other Christians. But unless, unless God does something, we're out of luck. And so it takes an attitude of receiving the ability to sort of say, Okay, Lord, I am willing to receive from you. It takes humility to receive from Him, to learn from Him. So again, you don't have to have a faith that goes beyond all doubts. What helps is not the strength of your faith, but the strength of Jesus. And all we need is enough faith to reach out towards Him, to seek Him for our satisfaction, to carve out some time for that, and be willing to receive, to be humble enough to receive what we don't deserve. Let's pray. Lord, thank You that you are true spiritual food, you are true spiritual drink. Thank you that you love us, that you want us to be nourished. I guess I want to say, Lord, I, I think it's still hard. Sin gets in the way, the devil gets in the way, the world gets in the way, worries and busyness get in the way. I pray that you'd help us to confront those things, Lord. Help us to reject those things and to receive you. Give us just enough faith to grab on to you. Pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.